Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, indeed. Rocky. I mean, many of us grew up fans of Sylvester Stallone. Maybe First Blood was, would have been one of them. Um, I got to tell you, the Philly rant from Bill Burr is one of my favorite uh, sort of comedic pieces of all time. And the part where he's talking about you have a statue for a guy who isn't real when you had Joe Fraser in your own city. That makes me laugh every time I think about it. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Rogers Place, the Edmonton Oilers, the Philadelphia Flyers. Guests on this show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Tell Chris and Chef Eltoff that Oilers now sent you. As we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline for our friends of the horses and horse racing Alberta, uh, Daily Face-Offs Frank Saravelli. Speaking of horse racing Alberta, find event schedules at thehorses.com. We'll see you at the races. Frank, how you doing? Bill Bear, I've actually uh, made contact with him in the last few weeks, and I'm going to have him as a guest coming up on my podcast unprompted like totally unprompted at some point in his own podcast he mentioned that daily faceoff was his favorite hockey website like i don't know him from adam never talked to him before and i was like i gotta i gotta find out more about this you know so he's who, a hockey guy he, oh he's he's friends of paul coffee and there you go. jack and louie got the uh got the good guy call from paul last year in the playoffs and uh you know who didn't get the good guy call you told me everything I needed to know right there. Not that I've taken it personally at all ever since. Isn't that just standard operating procedure? Or what? That's how it works around our organization. And right now, Jack and Louie would be laughing. But uh, I'm glad they had a wonderful time that night. Uh, I, I love Bill Burr. I went and saw him out at the River Cree Resort and Casino. He actually made fun of the venue afterwards. But the guy's an incredibly funny man. And, uh, you know, humor is a very subjective thing, as many people know. But his Philly rant is all time man you know i've that. actually never heard it you've never heard i don't heard... know whether i would be offended or not no you'll you'll laugh because there's so many parts so basically what happened is there was a comedy festival and they booed like two or three of the comics off the stage in a row and he said screw it i'm not taking this and i'm letting her rip 
and he let her rip. And he gave it back to Philadelphia, and it is awesome. It is truly funny. You'll laugh. I don't really get offended that much. So no, you don't. All right. Uh, hey, let's 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 start with the defense and what I mean. We're ten days away from the NHL trade deadline, Frank. You know, we've had people say, "Well, what about Colton Pareko?" And I'm like, uh, seven years left at six point five million dollars. Colton Pareko, you know, is not the same guy. Made and I love Colton Pareko, but just the contract and the term. Like, what what about Matthias Ekholm? Well, he's yeah, a- I've, I've reported for a few months now that Matthias Ekholm is available. I think he's a lowercase concern on the contract front, and I don't know where that goes. Like, I don't, I don't know how aggressive. I still don't really have a sense yet of how aggressive David Poyle is going to be because I think if you can move what we're learning from Colton Pareko and the way that discussions have unfolded with the St. Louis Blues, I reported on my show today that um, the Ottawa Senators are among the teams that have inquired with the Blues about Pareko, and what the Blues are looking for in return is a younger defenseman who is under cost control and and team control for the Uh next number of years, which makes sense. Yeah. But the ask isn't absorbent because I think the Blues understand the market and how difficult that contract will be to move at a certain point. So seven years left at six and a half, you're paying Colton Pareko until his age 37 season. He's six foot six. I think his game has fallen off in recent years. I think he hasn't been the same since, you know, Jay Bomeister and Alex Petrangelo left. They provided a ton of support for him, and he he struggles at the offensive blue line. So is he a, is he a, a you know a strong guy in his own end? Of course, but. That's a significant ask, I think, for a team yes. to then take on that kind of turn. Well, you know, I mean, Pete Chiarelli is there with Doug Armstrong. Pete drafted Evan Bouchard. They'd want that's who they'd want back from Edmonton. I'm looking at Nashville. They'd want Broberg plus back. Uh, you know, you look at San Jose. With, Not happening. And looking at Carlson, uh, and we, I think we both think it's an off-season deal. I've already paid him a ten million dollar bonus, and then Chikrin. Now I'm hearing it's, it's all along it's been two number ones, and we're not talking about number one equivalents. No, we're talking about future number ones, and I'm hearing they want more. Are the Maple Leafs passed on trading for a higher ND? Is, is that partially, I mean, you got Columbus thinking they're going to get a, a stone-cold lock number one for Gavrikov. Maybe they ultimately will. Are the prices higher, are the values maybe in the forwards as opposed to the defense, Frank? I would agree with that, and I would say that the real reason why the value is in the forwards is because I don't know that all of the defensemen that are out there are significant enough difference makers to warrant the high ask. And... That's not to knock Vladislav Gavrikov or Jacob Chikrin. Uh, this Chikrin thing has been all over the map. I'm told that there were teams that spoke to the Coyotes last week who told them, don't even bother getting in the mix because we've got something, to now all of a sudden engaging with other teams again. I don't know if 
that fell through or the goalposts move or moved or if they were in a spot where they were trying to smoke an offer out from someone else that may have been in the mix. I don't know what happened, but they're back at square one in Arizona. With Gavrikov, I still think he's heading to Boston. I think that they have the framework of a deal in place. But here's the one thing I can't wrap my brain around is they've been trying to move some other pieces around their chessboard, trying to move Mike Riley, trying to move Craig Smith to create salary cap flexibility. Columbus has space. Why aren't they just brokering the deal themselves and taking on those pieces required in order to make that work? That's the one hang-up with me that I can't quite understand. I can tell you why. Because owners, when their teams are out of it, don't want to take money back when they move these guys out. That's why. But it's for an asset. It's yeah. not for free. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like, uh, I just I, – I wonder whether or not with some of the defense – it's. It, I mean, you look at Edmonton. Does it make sense for the Oilers to go? And, and Eric Carlson, you can make a strong, compelling. See, I think Carlson gets done in the summer. Do you? I don't. I don't think he moves at all. You don't think he moves unless, at- unless the San Jose Sharks are willing to vastly change their outlook okay. and place a more significant value on the cap flexibility that they would create by doing this. I'd love to hear an updated ask and find out what they're really looking for to retain 40% and how maybe 40. their opinion might have changed. Do you think Do you think they're anywhere near 40? I think that they could get there for the right deal, but yeah. I don't know what they're asking for. Yeah. And, and you know, we we sort of discussed about a month plus ago now, uh, maybe, yeah, a little over, about five weeks ago, that was it three number ones or, you know, a, a couple forms. Yeah, and so theoretically, if that was the ask at 18 to 20% retained, that it would be a lot more than that to get them to go to 40. Yeah. And yeah. then you're getting into a territory where you're essentially pay- paying Eric Carlson $20 million to go play somewhere else. Yes. Uh, Frank Cervalli for the horses and horse racing in Alberta from Daily Faceoff. Bill Burr's favorite uh, site. That's uh, that's a. Uh, Great for you, Frank. All right, uh, forwards. That's and maybe, and we haven't even brought up uh, Joel Edmondson. Joel Edmondson to me makes no sense for Edmonton. Uh, I think he makes sense for anyone right now, given his back injury. Well, that's what George LaRock said on the show two weeks ago. Said Bob, stay away from. To me, Gavrikov doesn't make sense, and I'm leery on these. I got another guy, uh, and I think he's in tonight because I think they have to have him play because they're short bodies. But yesterday, the Flyers' healthy scratch, Travis Sanheim, who next season starts an eight-year deal at $6.25 million. I have no words. Like, good luck trying to make sense of that. First off, was a Calgary hitman for a long time. Comes back to the Saddle Dome. I understand if you want to send a message to your player, your, your recent play hasn't been good enough. We need to fix this. I hate the idea of embarrassing guys. And when you go to a player's town where he played junior, he's got family in the building, and he is clearly going to be part of your franchise for a long time on an eight-year, $50 million contract, what are you doing scratching him for everyone to see to make your point? Can you not wait a game and do it tonight in Edmonton? And we've seen this time and time again this season. Kevin Hayes, Tony D'Angelo... He he feels the need to make a statement, John Tortorella, and I don't understand it because what you end up doing is is angering everyone, and they go in the wrong direction. All right, so just on John Tortorella, because there's 
people are allowed to have different views. Yes, he won a Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He did. What happened after he left in Tampa Bay? They went rock bottom and drafted first and second over to, uh, the next years. What? Yes, he, he did a pretty good job in New York for a while. Uh, what happened after he left the Rangers? There was a down cycle, and they ended up putting a letter out to their season seat holders saying we're rebuilding. He goes to Vancouver for a year. It's an unmitigated disaster. The Canucks haven't come out of it since. He uh, goes to Columbus. They're competitive. They play diving their grenade hockey for each other. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky played a big factor in that goal and acquisition for Scott Housen. But they, they you know, they had a, they won a playoff series. Where are they at right now? DFL. Okay. So, you know, the best coaches breed offensive confidence in their teams. Frank, that's what the best coaches do. It's it's not off. It's it's just confidence in general. I I was talking to unprompted. I I was I had. Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon on my podcast today. It'll drop shortly. It's called Frankly Speaking. It's a new one-on-one interview series. And he unprompted brought up the idea of, first off, he said he wants Rod Brindamore to coach his team for the next 20 years if he'll be there. And how part of his job is to, after a tough skid or some losses, which there haven't been very many of them pile up in Carolina, to say to him, like, it's okay, it's not your fault. If there's an issue with the coach, that it more likely comes down to us not giving you the proper players to execute what you'd like to do. And that he said one of the big things that he's helped cultivate and Rod Brindamore has helped cultivate is this idea of we're not here to embarrass anyone. This job is hard enough as it is. We don't need to pile on to anyone's plate. This is becoming more of a player's league with each and every day. The coaches that have the best relationship. Now, there are some guys that will swear by torts, right? They tend to be, I can tell you right now, when you coach skill out of your organization, out of your lineup, you end up having some tough times. You could make an argument that the Edmonton Oilers did not excel in that regard for a number of years in the 2000s, and they paid a price, especially from about 2009-10 until about 14-15, where they didn't have enough skill. And often it's the it's you know the second and third line guys that might have a little bit of hot, uh, skill, but maybe they're lacking some other areas, and it doesn't get positively reinforced, and it sucks the energy and the life out of organizations. Again, I can you can sit there and say, well, Bob, John Tortorella was successful in Tampa. He had success in the Rangers. He did okay in Columbus. You know, you- twenty twenty three. Got to be different. Got to you have to evolve. Yeah, and I just I, I I'm watching this thing with Philly. I didn't even. By so- the way, I have a theory, and I wonder what your take on this is. Is that the coaches, or yes, the coaches that media like, the players hate, and the coaches that players like, the media hate. What do you think about that? Interesting. So I'll give you an example. Uh, John Tortorella is one. The players tend to really like him. Bob Hartley was in Calgary most recently. Media loved him. Players hated him. Go through the li- like. You can go through a whole slew of people, and then there's some. There's some that just everyone likes. So you're you're saying that the player? Well, I mean, Scotty Bowman was not beloved by his players. Mike Babcock wasn't beloved by his players. Mike Babcock also. But the, the media liked both those guys. Uh, I don't know how much the younger media liked Babcock at the end in Toronto. 
Like it, it appeared at times. There's exceptions. I'm just. It was just yeah. an interesting theory that I've yeah. been working okay. on. Okay. Well, it's. I, I, I think the players you, so view as what, you're, you're what is said f- publicly is an act. So, so basically, you you know, you look at Hayes, you look at D'Angelo, and you look at now Sanheim, and that's three players that have been healthy scratched during the season, and it it, it kind of does appear to be a battle of wills. And what does it say about Chuck Fletcher? In Philadelphia, he's got it signed. Sanheim to the extension hasn't even kicked in eight years at six point. And I don't think Travis Sanheim's the be all and the end all. Okay, like you know, he's probably a good second pairing left shot puck moving defenseman that you wish played a little bit tougher and a little bit harder. But he can move the puck. He can, you know, he's had thirty points. It's just, it is interesting. The fans are getting upset. They're like, you got Frank on and you're talking about John Tortorella, Bob. I want to talk about who's out there, who's available. So we've talked about the high price points for defense. Could the bargains potentially be in forwards? What do you think, Frank? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would say, though, again, you're getting into a territory where the number of difference makers starts to really dwindle once you have Timo Meyer eventually go off the board. And I reported today that the Blues have entered the fray on Timo Meyer. A lot of people were surprised by that. I said, look at Doug Armstrong's playbook from the last number of years, and you shouldn't be. He's taken a lot of the capital that he's generated from trades and turned them into other players to use in the here and now as opposed to just drafting them. Kevin Shattenkirk takes that first-round pick from the deadline, acquires Braden Shen in the summer. Paul Stasny takes the first-round pick from him, acquires Ryan O'Reilly the following summer. So this would just be him speeding that up and using his capital, the leverage that he has from the two picks, to then go out and acquire Meyer and essentially take O'Reilly and Tarasenko and replace him with Meyer and sign him to a long-term deal that I think makes a lot of sense for a team that is too talented to ever really truly rebuild when you have guys like Cairo and Thomas at their ages um, you're never going to be able to fully tear it down. The thing is to retool on the fly as quickly as possible. And you talked about Pareko. They need to readjust their salary cap structure on the back end as they try and do all of that. It's an interesting concept, and here's where they mentioned they got a number one from the Leafs for O'Reilly. They got a number one. Uh, it'll either be the Rangers or the Dallas Stars, number one, as part of the Tarasenko trade, and they might not be done here. Well, they're going to move Barbashev out. That's a given as well. That's Yeah, and that's probably another second-round second pick. Second-round pick. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Chicago, Frank. Uh, Blackhawks, Jonathan Tays being shut down for the year. Does that change the modus operandi for Kyle Davidson at all? 
Not in a significant way, but what it does do... um, Look, I I mentioned on this show previously the fact that Chicago hasn't been banking on a return for these guys knowing that they hold the cards. Whatever they get was going to be gravy, and the fact that Taves and his body isn't cooperating to the point where he can play, well, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. And so they understand that. What it does do from a minor technical standpoint is they were banking on since Taves made $10.5 million. If they were trading him, they were planning on using one of their retained salary transactions. You only get three. They were planning on using one on Kane, one on Taves, and one on someone else like Jake McCabe. And now that Taves is off the board, that means they could then reallocate one of those retained salary transactions to someone else on their roster. It could be, I don't know, it could be Sam Lafferty. It could be someone else that they could then, Max Domi, whoever it might be, in order to facilitate a trade on that front. Patrick Kane, um, how many teams do you think are in on him? If I had to handicap right now, and and let me preface this with a caveat of saying I think it's 50-50, if not 60-40 right now, that Patrick Keane goes back to Chicago and says, I'm not ready to move. Okay. So that's the caveat. But I think there's three teams, as I read the market, that are in the mix. I would include the Oilers, for one, and we've talked about this last week. I would include... The Vegas Golden Knights, two, and potentially the Dallas Stars, three. Hmm. Interesting. What would make Edmonton appealing to Patrick Kane, do you think? If Pretty he, simple. If the were, idea of playing with 29 or 97 on any given night. Yeah. I if you were to go that route. Yeah. I mean, why? Like, uh, for a 12 week run. Can you pick a better set of players to play with? I don't think so. And then you figure it out from there. There's no no one's putting a gun to your head to make a decision and 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 have to uh, you know choose your next destination for the next number of years. Right now, this is an opportunity and an option in time, and it's with some really special players. Could you imagine putting Kane? McDavid and Kane on one line together and then sliding Zach Hyman down to play with Dreisaitl. Like it, it is, I mean, a coach's dream, a general manager's dream. I think the only wrinkle would be what do you do with your power play unit that's been so successful? Yeah. You can't just put Patrick Kane on the second unit. Well, they're only 5% higher than any other unit in the league. So that is uh, a, that is a, not that, a big deal. Not a big deal. Uh, 31%. Uh, well, I mean, that's it's interesting to me because, and you think absolutely there'd be an appetite from the Hawks uh, to to give them a, a you know a, a, another ex, you know an extension of multiple years and compensate. No. What's that? No, I don't. I don't believe that to be the. I don't know the answer to that, but I don't believe that's the case. Him just saying, I'm not ready to move now. Maybe I'm, you know. I'm going to wait until the summer to really choose my next spot. Yeah. Uh, and here's where we mentioned that Patrick Kane had five goals on the weekend in the two games for the people that were concerned about his hip issues and injuries. Yeah. It wasn't, that wasn't just a, 
a finger raised to anyone that's been speculating about his hip issue. It was also his way of responding, I think, to not just the New York Rangers, but also the Toronto Maple Leafs to say, you guys really went out and made your moves and, and didn't come after me, didn't consult me. I'm, I'm one of the best players in the world still. Well, I got to tell you, Frank, if he if he does want to win a cup, <laughs> I don't know. I'd like I'm just looking at the prices for the D and comparing that to potentially the prices for the like. What do you think the cost would be for him? And remember, he gets to kind of pick and choose where he goes here, doesn't he? Well, that's the complicating factor to answer your question. I'm not hedging on the answer. I don't know how many other teams if any, that he's going to present to the Hawks. So if he's only giving them one choice, saying, let's just for hypothetical, I'm only going to the Edmonton Oilers. Well, if if you're Ken Holland, you're sitting there saying, I'm armed with this information, and I'm only going to give you X. And it's still going to be a reasonable return, but it's not going to be the Ryan O'Reilly return that went to the St. Louis Blues for his services. So that's sort of, you know... To answer that question, I, my guess is it's somewhere in the neighborhood of a, a, a second-round pick, a first-round pick equivalent, meaning a prospect who was picked in the first round and some other pick, you know, wow. potentially to help make the money work. I got one more name for you that maybe has come late in, in part because of some of the challenges this organization. Do you think the New York Islanders are going to make the playoffs? I personally do not. Is there any like, – they went and got Horvat. Barzell's out. Uh, there's a report out there suggesting that Jean-Gabriel Pajot might become available. Now, he's a pretty good third-line center. He gets about 70% of his zone starts in the defensive end. He's been 56% face-offs the last four years. He's a good penalty killer. Could he potentially be available? What do you think? Well, he, his ter- his contract and term are also pretty reasonable. Three more years at five million bucks. He's only 30, and he's had some real playoff success. Like, if you think back to not just the Islanders' runs to their two conference finals, he also was a significant driver for the Ottawa Senators in the year that they went to the conference finals. Still can't believe that they lost in overtime uh, in game seven to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who ended up going on to repeat as cup winners. He had eight goals in 19 playoff games, so he has a sense for the moment and the big game. Game. Here's the thing. I'll tell you this, working in this industry and and really trying to drill down on information, anyone that says with any degree of certainty that they know what Lou Lamorello and the Islanders are thinking, you might as well just flip a coin, throw it in the air, because I put them in the category of only God and Lou know. Frank, great stuff. Thanks for your time. See you, Bob. You bet. That's Daily Faceoffs. Frank Saravelli for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Find event schedules at thehorses.com. We'll see you at the races. We went late into the break. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Lots to still come on orders now.